Hey everyone, welcome to episode 10 of Prospect Bar, and I'm Curtis Ratner. How's it going guys? I'm Jeff Lightford. We've actually had a, a lot happen since our last recording. Uh, the last time we recorded was before the NHL qualifier even started. We are now, the conference finals are actually beginning today with the Vegas Golden Knights and the Dallas Stars. The Eastern Conference is Tampa Bay and the New York Islanders. Uh, as far as we're concerned, the biggest prospect news has to be the draft lottery and everything that happened there, and that is uh, the New York Rangers moving all the way up to get the first pick in the draft, uh, winning the lottery. It was uh, somewhat controversial, I guess you could say, as many people assumed it would be, having the Rangers ping-pong ball dropped. People said it looked a little heavier than the other balls, didn't bounce the same way. I don't know. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a Rangers fan. I'm not looking into it that much, but... Uh, I mean, I think I think it's good for hockey to have Lafreniere going to a big market like that. But uh, other than that, uh, I'm just very excited the Rangers had the first pick. It's the first time in my lifetime they've had it. I want to say first time since 1967. So this is the first time in the expanded NHL they've ever had it. But uh, Jeff, I just wanted to get your opinions on that and uh, what Lafreniere can bring to the Rangers moving forward. Yeah, I mean, my biggest concern was just him going either to Toronto Montreal or um, like the Penguins, uh, that would have sucked. Um, but um, he must be very happy because he could end up in Detroit or Ottawa or even New Jersey. Out of those three, New Jersey is probably the best case scenario with Jack Hughes there as well. But um, yeah, he's probably pretty happy he doesn't have to go to Detroit and uh, like because it doesn't look like they're getting any better anytime soon. But yeah, the Rangers, uh, huge for them. Um, first overall pick, and then they also have, which I believe, the 22nd overall pick in the draft this year as well. So they have two good picks that they've moved up in twice uh, during this playoffs. Yeah, exactly. They were uh, they were lucky enough to move up back-to-back years in the draft and kind of really like just speed up that rebuild, put it I, don't even, I mean, I think it's pretty much complete at this point. You had a team that was in the qualifiers this year, obviously didn't go as they planned, getting swept by Carolina. Uh, they just never really looked at the same team they did before the break. But uh, three games is a small sample size for sure. It gave some of their young guys playoff experience. But uh, said so you add a guy like Alexei Lafreniere to that lineup, and uh, it becomes dangerously even scarier. Uh, the one thing I will say, which is somewhat interesting, that other than goaltending, if there's one position the Rangers are already strong at, it is left wing. So I don't know if you consider moving one of your left wings to right wing. I don't know if Lafreniere can be moved to the right. But you already have two of your best players in Artemi Panarin and Chris Kreider on the left side. So that is definitely something to look look into. Uh, Lafreniere could definitely start the season in the uh, top nine role in the third line. But uh, y- you never know how everything's going to pan out. I'm sure... Those guys are all very skilled players, and one of them should be able to shift over to right wing uh, if need be. Yeah, exactly, and uh, they'll figure it out. They'll put the best players where they need to be, and um, if you have him, if he's playing well, I'm sure he'll move up um, into the top six role. So, um, no, it's definitely an exciting time for Rangers fans. Um, so yeah, they got a lot of good young talent, and they're just getting better. And also they have the number two overall from last year, so like they they definitely can't be complaining, and hopefully next year, uh, like Capo Caco, like uh, he looks amazing. And so does uh, Lafanier. Yeah, I mean he's atop the leaderboards right now in everyone's mock drafts. Uh, I've actually heard some kind of rumors that the Rangers are shopping the pick. I don't know how true those are. I really doubt it. Uh, three years of a guy like Lafanier on an entry level deal just seems 
too good to be true. I can't really think of any trade in my head that would make the Rangers that interested, especially when you factor in the cap. Obviously, you know, there's rumors of Jack Eichel wanting out of Buffalo or stuff like that, or there's rumors of of, uh, sorry, Toronto moving one of their big guys, but I just don't see any of that happening. You have a kid with all the potential in the world on an entry-level deal for three years. It just seems like it seems like the the obvious thing to do is just keep Lafreniere, but obviously it's something to uh, keep an eye on. Uh, the next thing we're going to talk about is the Kasperi Kapanen trade over to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, the Penguins received Kasperi, Kap- Kasperi Kapanen, Jesper Lindgren, and Pointus Auberg. Uh, the least received the 2020 first-round pick. Uh, the left winger, Evan Rodriguez, center, Philip Handler, and defenseman, David Worofsky. Uh Kind of an interesting trade for me. Uh, like we just talked about a second ago, the Leafs were considering shopping one of their big guys, you could say. I don't think Kapanen's one of their big guys, but uh, uh, he's a top six forward for them, in my opinion. Uh, he played all over the lineup, but uh, still a 20-goal scorer. And uh, it's an interesting move. The Leafs are looking to shake something up with, after another first-round bounce. Yeah, exactly. Um, Kapanen, I mean, he hasn't been. he's never been, like, outstanding, but he's been good. He's been, like, if he's on the Leafs' third line, like, He's a great third line player on any team. Um, I don't. Yeah, I don't really know. I think the Leafs. I kind of see the Leafs panicking right now. Uh, that's why they have the deal, Capitan, uh, and they need cap space. So because they definitely need to sign a a good defenseman, a good two way defenseman, uh, or even like a defensive uh, stay home defenseman. So I think they're a little panicking here to, by trading him, and like. Yeah, because they, they need to, they need a big season next year. Because if you were if you were to tell me a few years ago when they traded for Tavares that the New York Islanders would be in the conference finals before the Leafs, I would have called you crazy. And um, I think they're panicking a little bit here, but um, um, I think it's a good trade for the Penguins as well because the Penguins are just gonna get deeper and deeper, and they're already uh, a very good team. So it's a very good trade for the Penguins, and hopefully it works out for Toronto. Yeah, exactly. Uh... I'm not. I'm not gonna go into too much depth as what the reason was. Uh, th- there was something that needed to be changed. I don't know why they felt Kapanen was the guy. Uh, it might have just been they liked the return they could get for the offer at that point. Uh, another thing interesting to keep in mind there is Jim Rutherford already slotted Kasperi Kapanen into his top six, saying he will play with either Crosby or Malkin, which I found a little odd. I feel like you kind of got to make the guy work for it. You know, you don't want the guy coming in. Uh, pretty much guaranteeing he's going to have a spot in the top six. You kind of, I mean, he's a professional. He's going to go about his business. I'm sure he wants to be as good as possible, like all players. But I feel like just, I feel like announcing that this early after the trade was kind of odd to me. Yeah, I mean, you can't be like, yeah, you have to like kind of deserve to play with Crosby. I'm sure, like, obviously it's Sidney Crosby. Like, he can play with anyone he wants. If he goes, I want to play with him, he's going to play with him. But, um, um, yeah, uh, he'll if I'm like thinking about it as like a fan perspective, um, I, I fully expect to see him on the third line when the season starts. But um, we'll see. Uh, the Penguins do have a lot of talent up front, so they're pretty loaded, and uh, we'll see what happens. The last thing I want to note about Kapanen is that he's linked in at 3.2 a year for the next three seasons, locked up through the 2022 season. So. Uh, I don't know what the Leafs are planning on doing in free agency. I know they got Tyson Berry is going to be a free agent as well. Uh, I don't. I severely doubt they bring him back. He did not live up to their expectations whatsoever this season. But uh, I mean, Petriangelo is going to be a free agent. I'm not. Sh- 
I don't think they have close to the money to sign him. But uh, segueing into that now, the uh, St. Louis Blues made a move trading goaltender Josh Allen to the Montreal Canadiens, freeing up space for what I believe is hoping they can re-sign Petrangelo. Yeah, that'd be huge. I mean, he's definitely the number one defenseman on the market uh, this offseason. Um, and yeah, it's kind of they're they're putting all their marbles on um, uh, the goalie there right now, Jordan Bennington. Even though he had a very shaky shaky playoffs, but I don't I wouldn't like think he's going to start the season shaky at all next year. It's just, it was a weird time for everyone, um, so you can't really put it out all on him. But yeah, uh, St. Louis Blues. It looks like they're trying to re-sign uh, their number one defenseman. Um, I kind of hope uh, they don't, but um, it looks like they're gonna and uh, yeah, move. They're moving space to make space for him for sure. Yeah, uh, another thing worth about noting about that real quick is that he actually played in a few playoff games this year. Jordan Bennington was nowhere near the player he was last postseason or in the first half of the season before the break. So uh, the Blues have faith that uh, Bennington will bounce back, obviously, and be the guy they need him to be, but. Uh, yeah, I mean that's your Petrangelo is your captain. He's your best player. He's so important to that room. They were in the Stanley final, Stanley Cup final just a year ago, and uh, I think I think losing him is a major blow to that team, and it, and it severely sets them back as contenders. You're already in a great division with Colorado on the uprise. You got Dallas, who's in the conference final right now. They seem to be on the uprise, and I don't even think all their best guys are producing, and they're still. Moving on to the conference final. Uh, Winnipeg's a playoff team. Chicago was a playoff team this year. Uh, Nashville, Minnesota, all those teams are in the play. Did every single team in the Central Division make the playoffs? Uh, yeah, I believe so. With with the extended format? I mean, obviously it's 24 teams, but that's that's crazy to me. Uh, it's, it's it's a competitive division, that's for sure. There's, uh, there's no doubt about that. So... Uh, they're losing their captain, losing Petrangelo would be a huge setback for them. And if they really want to stay contenders, they have to get him locked up. That's for sure. Yeah, exactly. And there's some just at the top of my head, like there's three very good um, free agent defensemen this year. Uh, going a little off topic, as in uh, Petrangelo, um, Toy Krug, and um, Tyson Berry. So uh, that's three guys. I think all like besides the Leafs keeping Berry, I'm, I'm sure like the Bruins really want to keep Krug and. St. Louis wants to keep their captain, obviously. So, um, but there's definitely gonna be offers from other teams for sure. Yeah, segueing into that real quick, I was just curious your quick opinion on the the Bruins. What happened with Tuka Rask uh, opting out after a few games? Uh, the Tory Krug situation and the Zdeno Char situation. Yeah, so start with the Tory Krug. Uh, no, I'll start with the Tuka Rask situation. If Tuka Rask. I, I don't know the full story. I don't think anyone really knows the full story besides him. Um, if his daughter is very, uh, if she was in the hospital, very sick, I totally understand him going home. Um, but like, there's many players. It looks like everything's fine now because nothing's come out. But there's many players. I think two or three that's had babies since the bubble started, and they've left the bubble, went home. This like obviously with their wife giving birth, uh, and then they came back. Uh, they came back to the bubble a couple days later because they wanted to win with their team. And uh, what Tuka said the day before he left, after they lost, I believe, game two to Carolina, um, what he said, he said like, "Oh, this doesn't really feel like playoff hockey. I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm not out here like just trying to get wins. I'm just trying to have fun." 
uh, right, and then he left the next yeah, day. I think the exact quote was, "I'm not too worried about results." Yeah, is what he said. I think. Yeah, not that really. Uh, that, that really uh, made me angry as a Bruins fan, uh, just because and like every team was trying to win, and then you see when the Bruins losing uh, the post game interview with um, I think it was David Krejci and Brad Marchand. David Krejci was kind of getting a little emotional because he doesn't know they were talking about Tory Crew not coming back possibly, and he got and he uh, he he was really sad about that and like. He said, "Like you never know what's gonna happen. Like that could have been the last time skating with all those players." So, um, yeah, but for for uh, Tuka not to come back, especially in the third round, uh, the second round facing a, a great team like Tampa Bay, uh, kind of made me mad. But I don't know his daughter's situation, so I can't really get that mad. And then Chara, I mean, he's forty three years old. He's been a great player. He's Hall of Fame for sure. Uh, he's Number is going to be in the rafters at the TD Garden. Uh, to, like, if he doesn't, like, he's getting a obviously he's a little slow, like, but he's still so good in the defensive end, uh, in the, on the penalty kill and stuff like that. That like, maybe next year if he comes back for like a million dollar deal, um, I wouldn't be too mad if he played like, uh, like second line, third pairing minutes. But the Bruins, they got to start moving on from him for sure. And Tory Crew, I want to see him resigned. Uh, he captains the power play and the Bruins power play was amazing this year and in the playoffs uh so if he can stay healthy Tory Cruz is a great player I've just I don't know if we can give him like eight million if he if Tory Cruz will sign for six mil um I would love to resign him yeah I completely agree with everything you just said uh, I think Tory Cruz is definitely one of the more underrated defensemen in the league he's very undersized and I feel like that's an instant giveaway for people they're like oh he's small he can't defend in this league but uh the league's kind of shifted away from that uh, I think Krug probably could get eight mil on the open market somewhere, but uh, I could also see him taking that hometown discount, hoping to stay in Boston. So uh, that would be interesting to see how that plays out. Uh, Chara, I just love the guy. Love the guy as a person. Unbelievable guy. Great player for so many years. And uh, I think if he's not playing in Boston, I don't see him playing at all. I can't see him going anywhere else. And then Tuca, like you said, if there's any kind of serious. Uh, danger to his daughter or anyone in his family. You uh, you wish him the best, and there's nothing really bad you can say about him. Family comes first for that kind of stuff. But uh, it was definitely, like you said, the comments the day before and the way it all played out was just a little suspect to me. But uh, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna pin anything on him. Yeah, for sure. And um, like the like there's I I believe there's a good chance Tampa Bay still wins that series, but there's no way it ends in. Five games with Tuka asking that. There's no chance. Yeah, t- I mean, Tampa Bay, that's the other thing. I guess it was Halak, and he wasn't great. He wasn't terrible either, but Tampa Bay was just the better team all series. I thought they were just so fast. And this is this is the Tampa Bay team you've been waiting to see in the playoffs, I feel like. They're finally deep enough. They played most of that series without McDonough. Stamco still hasn't played a game. He's probable, or not probable, he's questionable if they make a Stanley Cup final appearance or return at some point. What a return to the room that would be. Stamco's coming in to help your team in the, in the Cup final if they get by the Islanders. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay is just so deep, and they're, they're so much fun to watch right now. Exactly. Okay, we're going to move on really quick. We got – I just want to break down something. Uh, a lot of people were kind of chirping the Flyers, saying the Flyers weren't – this didn't look good against Montreal, but Montreal Canadiens are a very good young hockey team with a lot brighter of an upside than anyone gives them credit for. 
Like, Nick Suzuki and uh, Jesperi Kakanemi are studs, both those kids. Suzuki looked unbelievable in the playoffs. So much confidence with the puck. Uh, Jesperi Kakanemi appears to be a number one center, I'd say. Uh, a lot of people were so shocked when they took him at third overall. But uh, he's looked great. And then you still have guys in the system like Alexander Romanov, an absolute stud Russian defenseman. Cole Caulfield, 15th overall last year. Just pure goal scorer. And a guy like Ryan Paling, another just stud center that played most of the year in the American League this year. But people forget he had a hat trick in his first NHL game when he came up at the end of the year last year. The skill set's all there. Uh, I think Montreal could be very good for a very long time to come. And they're, they're not really getting any kind of credit for, for how well they played. The fact they knocked out Pittsburgh, let alone gave, gave the Flyers a great series, I thought. Yeah, for sure. They definitely played tough, a lot tougher than a lot of people thought. Uh, they were going to play against the Flyers, even though, like, I just – Montreal is my least favorite team in the NHL by far, and I, I would love to see them at the bottom of the standings every single year. Uh, but, yeah, they do have a lot of very good young players, like you said, and, um, like, this being in Montreal, like, it's just – I feel like this makes teams, like, makes players, like, work harder and, like, want to win even more just because, like, the fan base behind them. But, uh, yeah, like – if they like Claude Julien's a great coach, he's won before, and uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he ever wins again. But he's um, like he knows how to coach his team, makes his team win. So um, they could be very good in the future, especially yeah with like Caulfield coming up. If he, if he can keep his scoring touch in the NHL, uh, they'd be a very scary team. But we'll see what happens uh, next year. I'm I'm sure it's gonna be a weird year for everyone because it's starting a lot earlier. But um, if Maybe Montreal can keep that momentum going if they, if they stay stay healthy. Yeah, last thing I want to mention about Montreal real quick is uh, it appears Mark Bergevin and Max Domi are very far apart on what they're they're not seeing eye to eye on anything, and the uh, Max Domi trade rumors have surfaced, so that'll be interesting to keep an eye on. He was a seventy-two point player last season, kind of disappointed this year, but uh, just something to keep an eye on. I think he's a, I think he's an incredibly underrated player in terms of his skill. And uh, obviously he can bring the grit and kind of a hard-nosed game that his dad brought way back in the day as well. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a great player, great young guy. Uh, he's one of the like three young guys they have in their roster right now that uh, look like have the ability to look very well. The next thing I want to talk about is the uh, absolute studs right now on Dallas. All these young guys that are just producing at insane rates. Uh, specifically, Miro Haskinen and Dennis Gurionov. Like, I mean, Miro Haskinen could be the most under-talked about player I've ever seen. Like, when you think of all, you think of Makar, yes. You think of Hughes, yes. They're studs. You know, you think of Thomas Shabbat. You think of Darlene. No one mentions Haskinen, and the kid is unbelievable. Like, it's just, it's insane to me how little recognition this kid gets. Uh, Three years removed from his draft year, I believe, and just absolutely straight up lighting it up. Like, if we're being, we're being honest. Yeah, it's like it's like every goal that like you see, like the Dallas scores, like he's getting an assist, a minimum assist on it, or he's scoring. Like he's getting a point every single goal. And uh, yeah, he's he reminds me a lot of Eric Carlson back in the day when Eric Carlson was just an absolute stud on uh, Ottawa. So uh, if you're getting compared to him, you're doing very well. But yeah, Dallas, like uh, their rookies right now, even like Rope Hints, they, that guy flies. Like he's so fast. He he creates a lot of offense. Uh, and for them, the it's crazy. Like, I I wouldn't. I told you Colorado probably would have won that series ten times out of ten, and uh, they went in there and they beat Colorado. So um, good luck to them in the conference finals. I'm definitely I'm pro, I'm probably rooting for them to win it all now. 
Yeah, I'm not taking anything away from Dallas here when I say this. Colorado is very injury-played, obviously. I mean, you lose your starter in Philip Grubauer. You lose your backup in Pavel Francos. You have your third stringer, Michael Hutchinson, coming in and winning you two games. You have no Eric Johnson since game two with the first round against Arizona. You got no Gabriel Landeskog in game seven. I mean, those are just... You just feel for that with how good McKinnon was. McKinnon was... I mean, McKinnon dominated, like... In the, I haven't seen anyone dominate the playoffs like that in a long time, the way McKinnon played this year. But uh, you got to feel for him. But uh, back to Haskinen, I mean, 21 points in 16 games as a 21-year-old defenseman in the playoffs, that's just – that's wrong. <laughs> that shouldn't be happening. It's uh, it's insane. I mean, if Dallas wins the Cup, he's he's my front runner for the Consumite. I don't even think it's close. Yeah, there's no way. It's not even close right now. Um, he's easily, if they win the Cup, he's going to win it. And it, it, to be honest, if he keeps it up, he still might win it uh, if they lose. But if they lose in, like, Game 7 or something like that. Um, but, yeah, uh, he's been amazing. And he's so young. Like, he has so many years ahead of him. And, like, the, the Dallas Stars look really good. They turned it on at the right time. Uh, yeah, they've looked great. Uh, the next guy I want to talk about really quick, Denis Gurionov. Uh, 23 years old, drafted in 2015, I believe. He was 12th overall. Uh, played a decent. No, I played a couple games in the American League at the start of the year. wasn't really. They weren't sure if he was a full full time ready for the NHL yet. But uh, has he proved them and I guess everyone else wrong? Is he is just dominating the playoffs and he's just scoring at an unbelievable pace. Uh, in the clinching game against Calgary, game six, I believe they wanted in. The, 95% sure it was game six. I don't think they went seven, but uh, he, I mean, he had four goals in that game. He had a hat trick in less than nine minutes. The second rookie ever to score four goals in a playoff game. Uh, he had 20 in the regular season, which is not bad, obviously, but I mean, he's just, he's taken over the playoffs as well. Like I said, it's the Dallas young guys are just so much fun to watch right now. Yeah, he's definitely a guy you never, like, a lot of people probably never heard of until uh, they watched the playoffs uh, this year. And yeah, in that one game, I think, they scored seven unanswered goals. I'm almost positive, and he scored four of them within nine minutes, like you said, and um, like just unbelievable for him. And uh, that's definitely helped give Dallas a boof a boost uh, for players like uh, Sagan, Ben, and uh, Radulov. So uh, yeah, he's amazing. He's looked amazing this playoffs. Uh, they definitely got some young guys that are very quiet but very good. Yeah, he leads all rookies in playoff goal scoring with eight and sixteen games. It's a goal every other game. He's got you got a couple guys tied for second with four goals, so he's got double what any other rookie has in terms of goal scoring. Uh, I mean, fifteen points in sixteen games, just under a point per game. Uh, still, he's playing only fourteen minutes a night, which is solid for a forward. Nothing. And you're, I mean, you see a couple of guys getting up, like McKinnon's in like the twenty minute range, but you're not going to see that from. For most forwards, he's playing like it's an average amount of minutes and just just lighting it up, which is just I mean it's been so much fun to watch. And then the last Dallas star you have to talk about is Yoel Kiviranta. Sat in the bubble for what a month doing literally nothing except you know skating with the Black Aces. I'd say maybe occasionally skate with the team at practice, but uh, Andrew Cogliano unfit to play in Game 7. This kid comes in, scores a hat-trick, including the Game 7 overtime winner. I think every single kid ever has dreamed about doing that at some point in their life. Every single hockey player growing up. That's just I mean, it's an unbelievable story. He just comes out of nowhere, finally gets inserted in the lineup. Game 7, hat-trick, overtime winner. 
yeah, I mean, talk about nerves. Like you're like starting game seven of a Stanley Cup final, of a of a Stanley Cup playoff game, and um, yeah, him is going in and scoring a hat trick, including the OT winner. Like, oh my god, like I couldn't imagine that rush he had after the game. Um, must have been like just an amazing feeling for him. But yeah, he looked. He also looked good. Like all these guys on Dallas, like they they need to step up because their their top guys aren't producing at a high high level. So that's what that is what's pushed them above Colorado and Calgary in the first two rounds. And hopefully they keep going against Vegas. He's a, uh, I mean he's just he's absolutely taken the NHL by storm as far as I'm concerned right now. Uh, like you said. A name that I can guarantee you, ninety percent of people never heard before, and now he's he's as well a household name if you pay any attention to hockey. But uh, I mean, that's just that's something that was I thought was so cool to watch. Um, shift over to one more team, real quick. Uh, I know they just got eliminated in seven games by Vegas, but uh, some absolute studs on Vancouver right now too. Absolute young guys. Quinn Hughes was unbelievable. Uh, I can't believe how much confidence he has with the puck. Like. I've never seen anyone – I've never seen an escape turn the way Quinn Hughes does. He like, The way he generates so much speed and he's just so shifty, it's like you, just, you can't get the puck from him. I mean, he's so small and just so shifty, and it's just – it's so much fun to watch for a defenseman at such a young age. Yeah, they look great. Um, um, they were, like, Vegas was a little too much for them to handle, but like they're a very young team. Like They're going to be good. They, they went through a rebuilding phase after getting rid of the Sedin um, twins. So, um, like, they're going to be right. There's no way I don't see them missing the playoffs next year. Like, they're going to be in the playoffs for the, the years to come. And, uh, yeah, Quinn Hughes, uh, like, he's definitely, like, if he's not, he's he could win rookie of the year. So, it's a 50-50 shot that he wins rookie of the year, in my opinion. Um, so, uh, no, he's a great player. And, uh, yeah, he's dude, so hard to get the puck from him. And he's such great vision on the ice that um, he's going to be a great player his whole career. And, uh, like, uh Vancouver is very lucky to have him. Yeah, I mean, unbelievable talent. Like you said, he's just, just said this, the best American defenseman at that age I I can think of in forever. Honestly, I mean, Seth Jones is great. Charlie McAvoy is great. A bunch Zach Wierenski, but I can't remember. I don't think any of them were this good at that age. For being honest. Yeah, no, uh, there like there's a lot of good American defensemen, but like Quinn Hughes, like he's definitely. Uh, at his age, he's the like really good. I mean, yeah, Seth Jones, as well. But like, uh, I don't know if there is. I don't know if um, Seth Jones is as good as Quinn Hughes is right now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I'd say, that's my opinion. If I had to pick one of them to run my power play, or I was down a goal in the last minute, give me Quinn Hughes. If I was on a kill or that da- or up a goal in the last minute, I'd take Seth Jones. I think he's just more responsibly defensively he's got a more veteran presence out there just a bigger body but yeah i get what you're saying i mean there's no doubt in my mind if nhl players are in the olympics quinn hughes is running that team usa power play no doubt yeah for sure he's he's probably top pairing with seth jones <laughs> so like that'd be um like usa's defenseman is like could be the best like defensive like obviously canada's like nasty and so is uh sweden's defenseman but like the usa could be the, the best defenseman uh, in the Olympics, next Olympics. Yeah, well, <laughs> staying on the Vancouver uh, topic real quick, we we have to match it. Uh, mention Thatcher Demko. Like, oh my God, this guy. They I mean they should have they should have lost in Game Five. They, they they had no business being in Game Six or Seven to begin with. 
just rattle off his stats real quick. He was 2-1 in those games with a 9.85 save percentage. He had a 48-save shutout in Game 6. He stopped 123 of 125 shots and had 98 straight saves between Game 6 and 7 combined. That's insane. I know, like for him, like the the step in and do that against a very very good uh, Golden Knights team is is just amazing. And like yeah, he was a brick wall. Like there's no way the series should have went as long as I did because uh, like any other goal in that I don't I don't see that happening. But yeah, he played out of his mind in Game Six, and like nothing would get by him. Like you you could see like how frustrated the Golden Knights were that game. Um, but like yeah, he he can't like do it all for them. So. Obviously, the goal, nice pass, but yeah, uh, Vancouver's in a very good spot with their goalies right now. Yeah, to put to put in perspective how good he really was and how much how he, he kept the uh, Canucks in this series. Robin Lehner had 128 saves in six games in that series and played well. Like he wasn't bad at any, by any means. Thatcher Demko had 123 saves in three games. He had five less saves and he played half the games. Yeah, that's just insane. And who knows what uh, Vancouver's going to want to do because uh, uh, Markstrom's a great goalie as well. Like, I, So Vancouver's in another tough spot. Like They kind of were, um, what was it? It was a, a back a while ago with Luongo and uh, who was the backup goalie that... Yeah, it was early like, 2010s. <laughs> yeah, no, it was like 2011-2012 after the, they lost in the finals. Yeah, But uh, yeah, they, they had, they've had two very good goalies. They always get rid of one. Sometimes uh, they make a mistake. But, so we'll see what they do. Yeah, for sure. The other thing that you have to keep in mind, uh, I feel like it's something that kind of doesn't get talked about, guys. You have an, uh, another expansion draft coming up next year. So uh, I don't know what their plan is. And I, I, you have to assume that unless they do the kind of bribe thing that Minnesota, that, uh, Minnesota did by gifting Vegas Alex Tuck, that uh, you have to assume one of them will be unprotected and one of them will be, uh, be taken unless you – I mean – who knows what Demko's next contract's going to look like? Who knows what Markstrom's next contract's going to look like? But I have a very hard time believing Vancouver will be able to keep both of them happy with their contracts and give them both the minutes they want to play with the expansion draft coming especially. Yeah, and you can only keep one goalie. Am I correct, right? Well, you can structure it multiple ways. You can do two goalies and then, like, only two defensemen and, like, five forwards, something like that. I'm not sure the exact rule, yeah. but, like, there's different ways you can structure it. And you can also, like you said, bribe teams to not take someone by gifting them one of your prospects or something like that. Exactly. And, like, yeah, so if Vancouver – if I'm assuming they're if they do anything, they'll trade one at the deadline next year. Um, whoever's probably, I'm guessing, or they – most likely he'll get dropped, like picked up by um, uh, the new team in Seattle. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm also very curious to see what the rules are if they keep the same kind of format because I don't, I don't know if the league wants their next expansion team being so good right away like Vegas was. I don't know if that's like it was exciting. Obviously, it was just out of the most random thing ever. But I don't know if the NHL really wants. It might be. Kind of, it's kind of a bad look for the league. I think that just a team. I guess depending on how you look at it, it's either a bad look or a great look that a team of people nobody wanted can come in and do that. But uh, I said, I'm very curious to see if they keep the rules the same. I think I think they did. I think Seattle came in when they named that they were going to become an expansion team in the NHL. They said they need the same rules of uh, as Vegas. So I think they are. Oh, okay. There you go then. All right. Uh, one last thing I want to talk about while we were still on the subject of Demko is everyone talks about the 2015 draft, and rightfully so. I mean, that the 2015 draft was 
as loaded a draft in as I can think of in NHL history, other than maybe the 2003 draft. But everyone rightfully talks about the 2015 draft because you had unbelievable guys. I mean, that was the McDavid, Eichel, Dylan Strome, Mitch Marner, Noah Hannafin, Pavel Zaka, Ivan Provorov, Zach Lewinsky, Timo Meyer, Miko Rantanen, uh, Guriana was in it, DeBrusque, Matt Barzell, Kyle Connor, Shabbat, um, Brock Besser, Konechny, Anthony Bavillier. That's just the first round. So like, that's rightfully talked about. But when you look at strictly goalies, is there anything better than the 2014 draft in recent memory? Absolute studs from the 2014 draft in terms of goalies. You had 36th overall, the guy we just talked about, Thatcher Demko to Vancouver. 76th overall, Elvis Merzlikens to the Columbus Blue Jackets. 78th overall, Ilya Sorokin to the New York Islanders, who a lot of people might not know that much about yet, but trust me when I say this kid's a stud. Yet to, yet to make his NHL debut, but this kid's a stud, and he'll be great for the Islanders for a long time. And then last, 118th overall is Igor Shesterkin to the New York Rangers. I mean, that's I, four, one draft producing four goalies of that caliber is insane to me. That's just that's, that's nuts. Yeah, exactly. And especially three of those goalies this year, like kind of making a big name for themselves. Uh, and then obviously the one that's over in Russia still, I believe, uh, hasn't made his debut because of the contract reasons. But yeah, he's going to be right there with them. And yeah, those three goalies, like, like you saw Elvis, I think he had like eight shutouts this year and like 20 something games, like something crazy like that. And then uh, the Rangers, one of the Rangers goalies uh, as well. So then, and then what Demko did this this year's playoffs, like, uh, yeah, those goalies they look that draft year was stacked for goalies, and there's obviously a lot more that could also still make names for themselves in the future. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I, I always think looking back at the drafts and just like seeing who went where is so much fun. That's kind of how I started getting into tracking prospects and all that kind of stuff. Uh, the World Junior Tournament obviously is unbelievable, but I just think it's so much fun to like look back. I mean, it can also be painful, but you can go back and look who your team could have drafted. And it's <laughs> sometimes it hurts. But uh, I mean, I just think it's so cool. Like I love seeing someone like Shesterkin like coming out of the fourth round and being that good. Like I love that. I love seeing just these guys that really Rope Hintz was 49th overall in that 2015 draft we were talking about. He's been unbelievable. I mean, you, you can't ask for much more out of a second-round pick. Sebastian Ajo went in the second round that year to Carolina. I mean, this is the 2015 now, back to the one we were talking about earlier. But, uh, I mean, it's just finding steals in the draft, like in any sport, is one of the coolest things. And uh, I, I love when teams get rewarded for having good scouts and, and such a, like things of that nature. So uh, it's one of the most intriguing things in sports for me, and I always love like looking into it and seeing that kind of stuff. Yeah, the draft can like that. That can either break or make a team, or like the GM, like like some GMs have been very, very uh, good with their picks over the years. Some are, and then uh, it definitely shows later down the road. Um, and sometimes, it's, yeah, it's like you can either love it or you hate it. Like obviously, twenty fifteen was a horrible year for the Bruins. The draft, they 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 would easily be the best team in the NHL if they would have drafted well that time, but they didn't. And but whatever. Uh, it goes away, and then some teams make good picks, some teams don't, and that's how the draft works, and that's why the draft's fun in every sport, like especially uh, especially NFL, I would say. Yeah, there's one last thing I want to talk about here before we wrap this up, and I don't mean this is a shot to Oilers fans. I meant to bring it up earlier, but uh, I just kind of skipped over it in my notes. And uh, 
said, I don't, I don't, I really don't want to be mean to Oilers fans when I say this. It's not a shot at you guys, but I just, I think for a team that has so much talent up front with like McDavid and Drysaddle, obviously two of probably the best five players in the world, they're watching those playoffs. I, just, I mean, they're not even close. Would you agree with me when I say that? Like, not even remotely close to getting this job done. Yeah, for like the Oilers winning the Stanley Cup. Yeah, to like actually yeah. making a run at it. Like they, I mean, they were just. Like, yeah, I mean, time off, obviously, everything. No no team is going to come in, like, you know, just pick up right where we left off. There's going to be a transition. Every single team. I mean, you watch, go watch, a, go watch the uh, highlights. Not even highlights. Go watch a game from the uh, qualifying round and watch the game now, the speed of it. Like, everyone, you're going to get your legs back. You're going to get your like, – everything's got to come back. It's a gradual process. But, I mean, I just thought they were just so disgusting defensively. It was just – it was it was hard to watch that series. I mean, it was just there was no defense in it whatsoever. Yeah, and Chicago rightfully got just destroyed by Vegas. You knew going in they had no chance. Like after winning that kind of weird shootout series against the Oilers, and I mean they didn't play great defensively either. But I mean, it was just I don't even I don't even know where to begin. They 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 need like I don't know, they got a couple guys. Like I think they expected Evan Bouchard to be in the NHL by now. Uh, unfortunately, he's not he seems to be still finding his game in the AHL he's only 20 years old as defenseman so obviously there's so much room for him to grow but uh I mean you got Philip Broberg in the system as well both those guys need to make a huge impact on this team if they really want to uh make a step forward and then the goaltending is a question too uh I know Braden Holpe is a free agent I really don't see him going back to Washington he's from Alberta could the could they maybe try to get him uh, I think Henrik Lundqvist's time with the Rangers, as much as it really hurts me to say, and it will be so weird seeing him in another jersey, but I, if I had to guess, Henrik Lundqvist's time with the Rangers is possibly over. Could they make a move for him? Because I, I just I just, I didn't think the defense or goaltending is nearly what it needs to be to make a run, and I don't want to see them waste those guys' careers because McDavid's one of the most exciting players I've ever seen in my whole life. Yeah, the fact that McDavid's... Uh Technically, not including this year, I think only made the playoffs once in his career. Um, is insane yeah. when he's insane when he's the he's the best player in the world. Uh, then you got Mc, then you have McKinnon. I think those are my top two right now. Um, but like, yeah, if and then you have Drysdale like helping him out. Like and McDavid, McDavid did gave everything he got in that series. Like I think I don't know how many goals he had or points, but he had a lot. He, I remember he was still like in the middle of oh, yeah, it was insane. the middle of the second round. He was still like I think top it was of the leaderboard. 10 and six, it might have been more than I don't even know the number, but it was it was a lot. It was it was close to two a game. Yeah, so he's yeah, so he's putting up all those points, and the defense the defense on Edmonton can't even like give keep him like give him a lead. Like it doesn't make really sense. Yeah, goaltending is a big struggle, but yeah, like you said, obviously there's a couple good goalies on the market this year, and then uh, obviously the marks from uh, the Vancouver situation that could help him out as well. But we'll see. They, yeah, they need a number one defenseman, and they need a good goalie, a number one goalie, and like team. If some hopefully they get players to make a pay cut, but like it's hard to do. Like to tell players, oh, you're going to Edmonton. Uh, so like, because obviously the winters there are long and it's very cold there. So some players don't want to go there. But yeah, we'll see what happens. Yeah, as far as McDavid's stats, it was nine and four games, so over to a game. But uh, yeah, like I'm saying, I mean, he would he would score, he would set up a goal get off the ice and then they let up a goal and the game would be tied within the next 30 seconds. Like it was, I mean, it was a back and forth series. It was, it was somewhat entertaining to watch just cause it was like, you don't, it's just goals on goals on goals. But like it was disgusting hockey. <laughs> like it wasn't, 
by any means structured hockey. It looks like so it looks like a high school game more than an NHL game, and not in terms of the skill level, obviously, but in terms of just like they were just scoring at will almost. Yeah, I would say like if you can't beat Chicago Blackhawks, I'll say they have uh, like Hall of Famers on the team uh, that are out of their. I would say like Taze is out of his prime for sure. Kane is still a great player, but he's not like he was a couple of years ago. Like if like if you can't beat the Chicago Blackhawks in a best of uh, five series uh, when you have the offense that Edmonton does, they still have a lot of work. So like that was just an embarrassing loss for them, especially with it being in their home city. So they're all like in the area and it's, they, they, they have to watch the bubble pretty much. It's brutal for them. Yeah. Uh, completely agree. Uh, that's, that's the other thing. It was, it was in Edmonton. Like, yeah, there's no fans obviously, but uh, I mean, having, they're going to have to watch the cup get raised in their, in their building now. And that's just, I don't know, I'd probably sit weird for some people. I mean, not, not that they were actually close to winning it, but still, just kind of a reminder of really how far they are. I mean, think about the last time you watched an Oilers game. Like, feels like forever ago, and the playoffs are still cruising along now. I mean, they're nowhere close. But uh, I, I got nothing else unless you have something else that uh, you want to talk about. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm okay with wrapping this up in a minute. Yeah, no, that's, that's all good. Um, it was, I think it was a good episode. Uh, a, lot, a lot happened. The playoffs still rolling. Uh, everything like obviously the final four teams. Um, I think for sure. I, I think for sure Tampa Bay is going to beat uh, the Islanders. Like I, if it's more than five games, I'll be shocked. Um, and then it's Vegas and Dallas. If Dallas can keep scoring, I think they win that. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. See now, I I think uh, Tampa Bay and the Islanders are going to be a great series. I just think, I think I think you have the most explosive offense, arguably. In the NHL with Tampa Bay, definitely up there. And then you have, like, the most structured defensive team. So I think it's going to be a lot closer than people think. Um, I, th- I th- It's going to be weird. I-, I don't see the games being that high scoring still. Uh, I think that the Islanders are just – I mean, they're so well coached. Barry Trotz is just – he's a magician. He's unbelievable. But uh, I just think – I think that's going to be a great series. I, I could see it going six or, or seven. I, I do think Tampa Bay comes out. And then, I mean, it's hard to not like Vegas. Like, yeah, it was seven games, but, oh, my God, were they flying. Like, Dallas gave up a 3-1 lead. They were playing a third-string goalie, a hurt team. Uh, to my knowledge right now, I don't think Vegas has any notable guys hurt. Like, I'm pretty sure they have no one as of this moment. But, I mean, they were just – I mean, it literally – Game seven after two periods, Vancouver had six shots. Like you, <laughs> they had no business being in the game in the series end like that. They were just flying around. I think Vegas. If I had to pick a cup winner right now, I would take Vegas. Uh, I think Vegas and Tampa would be an unbelievable cup final. But uh, obviously, I'm not going to complain. Every team left deserved to get there, and uh, it's gonna it's gonna be exciting down the wire for sure. Yeah, cause I yeah I, I think yeah Dallas. Um, like Dallas, Vancouver, no Dallas, Vegas. I'm sorry. Um, like it's gonna be. I think it will be a better series than Tampa Bay, um, New York Islanders, in my opinion. But yeah, like if Vegas gets to the cup, I will not be shocked at all. And like I would love to watch that. The only thing in Vegas, their goalie situation. Like they're both good goalies. They're both playing well. But like uh, they, you know, you think uh, what? Are they, I, I, I think don't you know gotta ride doing. Leonard. Maybe give Flurry a game. Maybe give Flurry a game on a back to back. But until then, I think you gotta ride Leonard. You've been you've been winning with Leonard. Uh, I know there's been a lot of controversy. We didn't even mention that, the Alan Walsh tweet. But uh, yeah. I guess it's for another time. It's not really prospect news by any means. But uh, I, don't know, I think you ride Leonard, my, my opinion. 
Yeah, either one. Like, honestly, they're both playing great, so it doesn't matter uh, for them. Like, like Kadobin's good, but he's not. I don't think he's on either of their levels. He's in the top spot right now as well, but he's been playing uh, pretty good. Obviously, if you can beat that Colorado team, uh, you're playing some good goaltending. So, um, but yeah, it's gonna be exciting. It's gonna be exciting playoffs. Definitely excited for that round. Yeah, other than that, um, I guess we'll just see you guys next time. We are going to try to bring you guys one more episode before the cup final. Hopefully have some more news to talk about. Hopefully some more young guys uh, continue lighting it up in this next round. And, uh, you know, as the offseason moves on, obviously there won't be more news to bring you. But uh, we'll be bringing you breakdowns of every team's prospect by divisions. Uh, We'll be previewing the uh, 2020 entry draft and uh, some more stuff as well. So, uh Uh, We still got a lot more content uh, coming up for you guys, and uh, I'm looking forward to it. All right, guys, have a good one. Uh, Yeah, we'll see you uh, see you for next time, next episode. Uh, Yeah, hopefully the playoffs stay exciting.